Hey homies, I'm Katie, I'm Sydney, and this is Something Sick. What's up? Welcome back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, you know... Uh, um, the new destination fear. Well, first off, new ghost hunters. Oh yeah, revamped. Came back last week. It was good. Mm-hmm. We're ready for kindred spirits to come yes, back now. I love Amy and Adam. And then destination fear just had a new episode that we watched today. It was really good. Yeah, highly recommend. As always. <laughs> yeah, but this was they found a lot. Of, they got good evidence. Yeah. So love that. Yeah. All of our ghost shows are back. I know. It's so good. It's the best time of year. You know, <laughs> after Halloween, after <laughs> when all the shows Halloween, um, it makes me miss ghost hunting. Yeah, I want to go to Waverly. Same. We're trying to plan a trip to go ghost hunting a bunch next year. Yeah, we're like gonna try and go on our old our old road trip, our own road trip, our own road trip. Yeah. So. Yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll Unfortunately, we don't have our own RV driver to take us. Yeah, <laughs> so we or money. And yeah. we can't rent a car. Yeah. So. so. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll make it work. Anyway. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else to say? I don't think so. Okay. This one's going to be a long one, I think. It's going to be a rough one. It's going to be a rough one, too. So today we're going to talk about the death of Tamala Horsford. And this case happened just over three years ago, like a couple of days ago was mm-hmm. the three year anniversary of it. And it also happened on the night of daylight savings, which as we're recording it, it is the night of daylight savings, which and is And when weird. this comes out, it will be the day of daylight savings. Yeah. Which I just happened to pick it. Like it's yeah. been on my list for a while and I just happened to be like, okay, I'm going to talk about this one. And mm-hmm. so that was weird. That's happened a few times. That's some of the stuff we've done. Yeah. It's very strange. But um, anyway, and I'm going to say right off the bat that it's a very difficult one and it should make you angry. (laughs) Like if you're not pissed off by the end of this episode. We just want to talk. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And there's a lot of discussion of just blatant racism. So if that's not something that you want to hear about, then totally understand. Yeah. But so, yeah. Tamla Horsford grew up in St. Vincent and the Grenadines, which is a small island nation in the Caribbean, and it is west of Barbados, which I had never heard of it, but yeah, cool. So she's like straight from the Caribbean. That's cool. Um, And she was born in 1978 and moved with her family to the Bronx in 1989 when she was 11. And then she met her husband, Leander, in Florida, and... When they met, he already had one daughter, and then they got married, and they had five sons together. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, all sons, too. Poor first girl. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, and in 2018, Tamla was 40, and her youngest son was four, and her oldest was 14. Okay. So, they had oh. five kids in 10 years. No, thank you. It's a lot. That's too many. But. Um, she loved being a mom. That's too many for me. Let me clarify. Yeah. (laughs) Happy for her and her husband. Wow. Um, I could never, especially all boys. No. I'm sorry. Five of them. Five boys. That's a lot. Um, but she loved being a mom. She was constantly like volunteering and doing stuff with the school. 
Um, all of her sons loved football and she loved being like a football mom and like mm. going to the games and stuff. Um, she was also known as the life of the party. She was vibrant and fun. Um, she also loved the warm weather and hated the cold. She was like, I mean, she's straight from the Caribbean. Yeah. She's like, no, I do not like the cold at all. Like she's always going to be wearing a jacket. It was like a running joke in her family. That she's always cold. Mm hmm. And her husband said that she had the biggest heart in the world and that she was bold, bright, and kind. Mm. So, which is like, everyone says that in these cases, but like, it was really true Mm -hmm. with Tamla. So. You have to be a special person to be the mom of five boys. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) And from like toddlers to teenagers. Yeah. You got all the rough ages in there. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. That sounds terrible to me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I could never carry five children. No, you will not. <laughs> I will not. I don't even know if you'll do one. <laughs> the thought, listen, love kids. The thought of a baby in my body. Scares her. I don't like it. So the Horsfords moved to Georgia in 2013 for Leander's work, and they ended up in Forsyth County, which is less than an hour northeast of Atlanta, and it is home to Cumming, Georgia. And if you've ever heard anything about Forsyth County, you've probably heard that it has a terrible history as a sundown town. Isn't um, Rachel from The Bachelor? Yeah, that's yep. definitely where she's from. It is. <laughs> I almost included it, and then I had other stuff to talk about, but yeah, oh, it no, is. Oh, no, yeah. Um, in 1912, the county population of Forsyth was about 10,000 people, with 90% of that being white people, and white mobs of over 4,000 people, so almost half the entire county, attacked and drove out over 1,000 black residents. No. These people were not only attacked and harassed, they lost their property, their homes, they lost everything. What year was this? 1912. That's ridiculous. And Forsyth County is also bordered by Lake Lanier, which... Uh Oh. Yeah. Very famously haunted because it was formed in the 1950s when they essentially just flooded Oscarville, Georgia, which was a predominantly black town. Wow. So just lots of really bad racism here. It, I mean, it went on forever. There were like civil rights marches in the 80s, so long after the civil rights movement, where mm-hmm. people were like harassed and... Yeah. Yeah, just very terrible things. Um, That's awful. Yeah, it was so bad that by 1997, the total population of Forsyth was 75,000 people. This is 85 years after all the black residents were forced out and 30 years after the civil rights movement. And even though the population was 75,000, there were only 39 black residents in Forsyth. I would not want to live there. No. That sounds terrible. Yeah. And I mean, things are getting a little better, but it's like, yeah, they sh- you can't escape they that deserve, history. They deserve better than yeah. people of color deserve better than that. Yes. Town. And in 2018, I couldn't find exact population data, but Forsyth County would have had a population of around 240,000 people with less than 5% of that population being black people. That's insane. So still very very white white. yeah um and i just felt like that was important to lay out in this case 
I'm not implying that every single person that we talk about is in this case is racist, but we have to recognize the history of where mm-hmm. this goes down and also the history of where like the investigation that happened here, not just mm-hmm. the death, but also like where the investigators are coming from, which is yeah. probably not necessarily a great place. Not an equal place. No. <laughs> so, yeah. So on November 3rd, 2018, Tamla attended an adult sleepover at the home of Jean Myers. And I thought it was Jean, but it's Jean. And unfortunately, the next morning, Tamla would be found dead in the backyard. So we're going to talk a little bit about the party and everything that went down. So before leaving home for the party, Tamla made dinner for her sons and her husband. And she also made a casserole for the morning so they would have breakfast too. That's so nice. Like I'd be like, fend for yourselves. Yeah. Like (laughs) she was so loving. Better person than me. And so then she arrived at the party around 8.30 p.m., And the sleepover was to celebrate Jean's 45th birthday. And it was at Jean's house, but it was organized by her friend, Stacy Smith. How basic of a name could someone have? You got Jean and and Stacy Smith. Yeah. And so she'd invited a group of moms to spend the night and they were going to drink and have a good time. And the plan was like, everyone will sleep over so that no one has to drive after drinking. Mm Mm-hmm smart cool and this group of moms had met through the local youth football league so it was like a mom friend group thing of like all our kids play together kind of thing and tamala knew most of these women but not super well like honestly most of them were more of like acquaintances Mm -hmm. but it kind of seems like tamala was one of those people who like has never met a stranger so Hmm. yeah and she also happened to be the only black woman there, which is important yeah. in this case. So the party had started at seven, but like I said, Tamla showed up a little late at 8.30 and she brought her overnight bag and then she brought a nice bottle of tequila as a gift for Jean because she knows how to party. <laughs> I mean, it is a party, so yeah. she should bring that stuff. And when she got there, she changed into a white onesie, like white onesie, like pajamas with paw prints all over it. Nice. And also about the tequila, Jean would later tell investigators that she didn't want the tequila that Tamla had given her because she said the smell made her want to throw up in her mouth. That's weird. And it's like... It's tequila. And it's like, we're not... Like, why do we care? Yeah. And it's like, you don't have to be rude about it. No. Like, I've had people give me gifts that I don't like or like... Why would you trash talk about... A gift from your dead friend. Yeah. At your house. And honestly, like... To the cops. Yeah. We'll get to it later of, like, some of the things they said about Tamla. But I feel like they just wanted to, like, make her seem like this, like, crazy party girl. Yeah. And, like, I feel like that's part of it. I feel like that was her trying to be like, oh, well, she got this, like, crazy tequila that Mm -hmm. I would never drink. Yeah. And it's just, like... That's ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway. So... There were eight women who were meant to be attending the sleepover, and it was meant to be all women. But Jean's 27-year-old boyfriend, (laughs) Jose Barrera, ended up staying, and so did Tom Smith, which was the husband of Stacy. Got it. (laughs) Tom and Stacy Smith. (laughs) And another man dropped off and picked up his wife from the party, and then Jean's aunt, Madeline Lombardi, lived at the house with her. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So altogether, there were 12 people who were at the house at some point other than Tamla. And these people would later be called the Forsyth 12. Great. Yeah. I hate when we give names to. Yeah, it's very like, it makes me think of Madeline McCann. Yeah. The top of seven or whatever. That's dumb. So the women attending the sleepover drank and watched a college football game. And Jose and Tom were downstairs, like separate from the women watching football in the basement. And at some point, Madeline took a picture of all of the women at the party. And this picture is quite infamous. And Mm -hmm. it's of all the women at the party sitting together in their pajamas. I've seen it. Yeah. Yep. And Tamla is right in the middle, just like with the biggest smile on her face. And it's the last photo of her ever. It's like taken while she's alive. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So at a few points during the football game, Tamla stepped out onto the balcony for a few cigarette breaks. Um, The people all at the party several times. Everyone was like, she was the only one who smoked. Like, she's the only one that smoked cigarettes. And it's like, okay. okay. Like, <laughs> and we care because. Yeah. Like, it's just another thing that, like, people, like, talked about so much. And it's mm-hmm. like, why, why do we that care? Important? Like, why is that important? Yeah. So she also reportedly smoked marijuana at one point during the night. And Jean asked her to stop, which she did. But according to Jean's own statement, she asked Tamla to stop, not because she cared, but because... Jose was a pretrial officer and he didn't approve. Now let's clarify. This is not Jose's house. Yeah. So it's like, I don't give a shit if he no. doesn't approve. And he's in the basement, right? Yeah. Why do you care? Anyway, shouldn't be his business, but whatever. Like if you, like if Jean herself cares. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. But don't make it about him. Anyway. Um, John also during this conversation teased Tamla and called her the female Bob Marley. Mm-mm. For smoking a joint. There's a lot of every people of all colors and race like yeah. that it just, smoke weed. It like it just feels really weird. She's like that's... it's like she was like, Oh my black friend from the Caribbean that smoked a joint. Yeah. She's Bob Marley. Yeah. And it's Ugh. yeah. And also several people at the party, they're all questioned and like I think one of them admitted to like, Oh, I've smoked a joint before. And it's just like they all okay. were trying to be like, oh, I've never done that. Like I would yeah. never. And it's just, I don't know. It's just really they try and paint her so much as like as this a, crazy, like wild party girl. Yeah. And it's like she's a mom with five kids. Yeah. I don't think she's smoking weed to like go crazy. Yeah. If anything, <laughs> like, it's to let like chill out. Like and, like she's like having a night out for the first time in probably a long time. Yeah. She has five kids at home. She probably just needs to de-stress. Like. Anyway, so, yeah. Um, Sorry, I already, we already talked about that. (laughs) Um, Later on in the night, the men joined the party for a little bit, and all of them played Cards Against Humanity, and... I would not want to play that as the one person that is different than everyone in the room. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't want to play it with people I don't know very well. No. But... I mean, that's so weird. Yeah. And I, w- I was just thinking I would be so pissed if I was having a girl's night and then like guys, one girl's up. boyfriend and one girl's husband. Yeah. Like showed up. Like, I'd be like, well, if we we're having like a like couples thing, like yeah. I would have told my husband to come. Like, it's yeah. just like, it's awkward. I also just wouldn't want to play cards against community with guys. Like, it's too weird. It's just like, yeah, it's very weird. Uh, <laughs> like, and listen, couples with an age gap. That's cool. But John and Jose are weird. 
Yeah. I would not want to hang out with him. No. Sorry about it. But anyway, um, at one point during the night, Tamla FaceTimed with her children. I think she was like mm-hmm. having a conversation with some of the like girls at the party about her kids. And she was like mm-hmm. basically like showing them off of like, these are my kids. And like, man, just really sweet. Um, there are also a few pictures and videos that show some of this portion of the party. Everyone appeared smiling and happy, including Tamla. Um, she had been drinking a lot, but so had everyone at the party. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, in some of these videos, you can like hear people talking and you're like, they are gone. Yeah. <laughs> and like one of the attendees had to be literally carried to bed. <laughs> so it's like, by no means was Tamla the most drunk person, yeah. like the drunkest person there. Yeah. So it's just. If anything, they were all equally. <laughs> yeah. Strong. And also like, according to everyone there, they're like. She did not seem like she yeah. was drunk or like mm-hmm. really gone. Okay, well, which is there like, you have it. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, most of them probably not the best judge of it at that time. Yeah, but yeah, still. Um, around eleven thirty p.m., two of the guests who weren't staying the night left. I don't know. I don't think they were picked up, so maybe one of them is was a DD or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within the next few hours, a few more people kind of trickled off to bed. And Tamla stayed awake. She was talking, enjoying the company of the people who were still up. She even made a comment of how much she enjoyed having like girl time that she never mm-hmm. got to like hang out with people. She lives with all got all boys yeah. and a husband. Yeah, she lives with all boys. She's a mom to five kids. Like, yeah, she does not get to hang out. No. <laughs> so at 1.30 a.m., Jean Myers and Jose Barrera went to bed. And the last person, apparently to see Tamla was Bridget Fuller. And according to Bridget, Tamla was in the kitchen eating a bowl of gumbo and Bridget's husband picked her up at 1.47 a.m. And when she was leaving, Tamla said that she was going to have a smoke break and then go to bed. And Tamla also gave Bridget a big hug before she left and was saying like, I'm glad we met. Like, I like being Mm -hmm. her friend, like sweet stuff like that. Yeah. So I also want to note they're having this conversation. Tamla's eating some food. Like, she is not, like, drunk or falling all over herself. Like, mm-hmm. I've seen some pretty drunk people, and I don't think any of them would be able to have a chill conversation like that. Yeah. And, like, if they were that drunk, I would mention it in my interview to the police. Mm-hmm. And also, I was just thinking, if I was the last person awake in the home and the other person that I was about to leave was, like, super intoxicated. Yeah. I would maybe make sure, like, they got to bed okay. Like, Yeah, I wouldn't leave them there. No, you don't just leave. Like, I know she's at a house and not at a bar, mm-hmm. but you still don't just leave someone there. who's hammered to their own devices. Yeah. You just don't do it. Yeah. So, Jean had a home security system. She had security cameras installed at the house, but... What a surprise. Um, they weren't working. They either weren't working or she like maybe just like accidentally deleted the footage. <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. So that footage has never been seen. Can't they? F- they can't find it somehow. No. So apparently it was like an app and she literally like sent a screenshot to the police and was like, it was like November 2nd and November like 5th or whatever. Like the day, like the days that Tamla was there were just missing. That's ridiculous. Yep. And she even was like, here's my password and stuff. Like, I'm not tech savvy. Like, if you can find it, like, have at it, basically. Is she really not tech savvy? 
that's the thing. It's like, that's kind of a good way to appear helpful. Yeah. But if you know, like, it's deleted and it's mm-hmm. not coming back. Yeah. So, hmm. little suspicious. But Jean did have a security system that logged every time a door in the house was opened or closed. So, there's a screenshot of this that I'll probably post. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shows like a couple hours worth of the doors opening and closing. Does not tell you who came in or out or how many people came in or out. It's literally just door open. At 1:39 this door opened. So, at 1:39 the garage door was opened and it was closed at 1:40 and then immediately opened again. Weird. This is never explained by anyone at the party. Hmm. Um, and it's also not logged as closed again. So it's like, did they just leave their garage door open all night? Yeah. Like, that's weird. That's weird. Um, at 1.47 a.m., the security system locked the front door opening and closing as Bridget left. when okay. she was picked up by her husband. Mm-hmm. And then at 1.49 a.m., the back door was opened. And then it was closed at 1.50 and then at 157, that same back door was opened again, and then it was never closed. Hmm. So the door opening and closing at 149 and 150 makes sense if Tamla was going outside for a smoke break and mm-hmm. just opened it and shut it behind her. Yeah. You know, either it like she was doing it right as it turned yeah. to 150, or it could be that someone followed her out. Yeah. And it took a little longer. Mm-hmm. We have no idea. And then it would make sense, you know, seven minutes. That's a normal amount of time for a smoke break, I assume. I have no idea. I have no idea, but sounds sure pretty average. But if she's opening the door after her smoke break to go back inside. Why would she not close the door? Why would she not close the door? And why would she be found the next morning outside? outside. Yeah. That just doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. So um, at 4.10 a.m., Marcy Harden left the house to go work at a job she had on the weekends. Um, At 7.45 a.m., Paula Seals left. And then at 8.30 a.m., Tom and Stacy Smith left. While all of these people left, it is assumed that Tamala was already dead. And no one noticed that the door was open. And no one noticed that the back door was open. That's weird. Very strange to me as well. They don't have a dog or anything, right? No, so I don't So it would be someone so. like letting a dog, like they wouldn't assume that it was someone. That's ridiculous. Um, that morning around 8.45, so just a little bit after the last couple left, Jean's aunt, Madeline Lombardi, went to the kitchen in the basement to make a cup of coffee. And it kind of sounds like she had like her own little like apartment in the basement almost. Okay. So she had a little kitchen down there. And she told the police that while she was making her coffee, she looked out the window and she saw Tamala's paw print onesie and saw Tamala laying face down in the grass. That's sad. Yeah. So this is where it gets really freaking weird. Mm -hmm. So the first thing Madeline does is gets to her knees and says a prayer. That's not what I would do at first. No. I'm like... I pray, but I would not, I would maybe be praying as I'm calling 911. Yeah, that's what I'm like, I'm like, Jesus can hear your prayer if you're praying on the move. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You can pray on the move. I also think Jesus knows if I'm calling 911, that he's listening. Yeah, that is also a prayer. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Um, After her prayer, she 
doesn't go outside. She does not check on Tamla. She doesn't call the police, doesn't check for a pulse, doesn't do anything. She goes upstairs to find Jean. Um, no. So she approaches Jean's bedroom door and can hear water running, you know, from a shower or mm-hmm. from a sink in the bathroom in the room. Mm-hmm. And she knocked but didn't get an answer. So instead of like pounding on the door. Yeah. She goes back downstairs and waits a few minutes. No. I would have first gone outside and checked to see and then been like, okay, something's wrong. Let me call the cops. Yeah. Um, and the th- this like waiting downstairs for a few minutes. I'm just like, what are you like checking your Facebook feed for a few minutes while someone's dead outside? Yeah. Like there is no comprehensible way like for you to do that. No. I just don't understand how old is this lady i don't well jean's 45 and it's her aunt so i don't i don't know not old enough to not know what to do no and she's not like senile yeah (laughs) sounds like she's like relatively sane yeah so i don't know so after chilling for a few minutes madeline goes back upstairs and knocks on jean's bedroom door again she doesn't (laughs) hear the water running at this point And this time, Jean and Jose answer. And according to them, they had been sleeping. And the second time she knocked, they woke up. So what water was running. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So Madeline tells them, I need Jose. I don't know why specifically Jose. Yeah. And says to Jean, something is wrong with your friend from the islands. No. (laughs) She had met Tamala the night before. She had met her. And I'm just like, your friend from the islands? She has a name. She has a name, first of all. And that's not the only thing about her. And also, I'm like, she's lived in America for 20 years. Yeah, she's been here for a long time. And she's lived in Forsyth for five years. Yeah. It's like, it. I don't, it's everything about it is absurd. And also, like, something is wrong with her? Yeah. Like, you I didn't even so. Well, you also didn't check on her to make sure that she wasn't just, like, sleeping. Yeah. I'm like, you didn't check for a pulse. You yeah. didn't even, like, like, you just glanced out the window, yeah. like, once. Oh, that's weird. Knock, knock. <laughs> it's just, it makes no sense. Yeah. So, they all go outside to see what's going on. Um, Jose supposedly touched Tamla's back and could tell she wasn't breathing, supposedly. He also supposedly tried to bend her leg, and she was stiff. Why would he do that? No idea. That's that's freaking nev- that weird. That would never be my reaction. Nope. Um, but him not being able to move her leg implies rigor mortis had already set in, mm-hmm. which we'll come back to. Okay. Um, Tamala was face down with her legs extended and with both feet pointing to the right. Jean and Jose would also claim that they found her with both arms close to her sides. Now, that's important because when police arrived, her right arm was close to her body with her left arm extended and bent at the elbow. It's weird. So. Oh, the feet both to the same direction also feels weird. I don't know why. Everything about her body, even the investigators mm-hmm. who completely botched this investigation, Mm-hmm. Even the investigators have said it did not make sense with a fall. No. Like, that's not how your body falls. And also no. face down. 
You're and in- with both of your, like if her arms were supposedly both by her sides, that's weird. Yeah. Your instinct when you're falling is to put your hands out. Is to put your hands out and is also to turn your face. Yeah. Like you don't just like smack, smack your, face. your face into the ground. You would turn your head to one side. Yeah. So everything about it weird makes no sense. At 8.59 a.m., Jean finally calls the police. And this is 14 minutes after Madeline first saw Tamla's body. That's too long. And also, Jean and Jose speak with the dispatcher, but yeah. not Madeline. Who saw yeah. him. So, this 911 call, <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. I let Katie hear part of it. They're like mumbling. They're also. like, they sound so calm. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, like, having a casual conversation. Like, they're disinterested. Yeah. It's completely absurd. Yeah. But anyway, so, Jean calls, and she just says, like, I need an ambulance at my house, and gives the dispatcher her address and stuff, uh-huh. and the dispatcher's like, okay, you need an ambulance, what? and Jean is like, yeah, like, explains that they're having a slumber party, and says, most of us went to bed one of them stayed on the balcony. One of them? Yeah. Not like my friend Tamla or yeah. like one of them. Also, Very strange wording. This is how I would have started the 911 call. Mm-hmm. 14 minutes before this. Yeah. And I would have said, hi, my friend is hurt in the backyard. Please send help. <laughs> yeah. So, and also the one of them stayed on the balcony thing. Jean and Jose supposedly went to bed at 1.30. And at 1.40, Tamla was in the kitchen with Bridget. Mm-hmm. The, there was no reason for them to think that she was outside on the balcony by yeah. herself. They wouldn't know that if they were in bed. Exactly. So it's like, why would you immediately say one of them stayed on the balcony? Yeah. Weird. There's also never any point that it sounds like everyone in the group was out on the balcony. Yeah. It was November. Mm-hmm. It was cold out. Like, uh, yeah. So weird. Very strange. Um, Jean then continues and says, quote, she was drinking and we just went outside and she's laying face down in the backyard. It looks like I'm guessing maybe she fell off the balcony, but she's stiff. So she's just already hypothesizing what happened. Yeah. Which I'm like, that is not your job. No. If you're on the phone with the police. No. It's not your job to figure out or guess what happened. No. You're just trying to get help. Yeah. She's like, please get here. Like, I'm worried. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Like, this is what I see. <laughs> exactly. Like, you can say she's face down. Like, we were drinking, so I don't know what happened. But, yeah. like, all they need is the important and relevant facts. Yeah. They don't need your, like, guesses. Yeah. She's stiff. I'd be like, why did you do that? Why did you move her in a way that you could tell that? Yeah. So the operator asks if she's breathing. And Jean says, not if she's face down. <laughs> That's not. Not if she's face down. One, you can't just say that because people can be laying down and still have room to breathe for one, like, like as one point. Yeah. But <laughs> what a weird thing to say. Not if she's face down. Not like, oh, I don't. I, like, I don't know. I don't see breathing. I don't like, yeah. I don't feel a pulse or yeah. there are so many more valid answers to that question, mm-hmm. but that is not one of them. Yeah. After that, she gives the phone to Jose uh-huh. who starts out by saying, 
hey, this is Jose Barrera. <laughs> They're like, I don't care. They're like, hey. What's like, the name of the person on the ground? Yeah. So once again, the operator asks if they've checked to see if she's breathing. And Jose, who sounds bored out of his mind, says she's not moving one bit. She's not breathing. She's completely face down in the yard. She's stiff. Keep saying that she's stiff. It's weird. So the operator then asks if there's blood at the scene. And Jose essentially is like, I don't know if I should move her to see if there's blood underneath her. And the operator like kind of clarifies and says like, if she's breathing, like, and she's moving or like, if she's breathing, yes. But Mm -hmm. like, if she's not breathing and like, you can tell that she's gone, like, don't, don't move her. Yeah. So like Jose kind of like gets off the line for like 30 seconds, presumably to look at, to find out if she's breathing and then comes back on the line and says, I'm completely not sure. (laughs) It's not that hard to tell. Yeah. He also says at this point that he has not moved her over. Okay. So it's like, what were you doing for 30 30 seconds? seconds. Yeah. Um, The operator then asks if Tamlo was suicidal. And Jose says he doesn't know that he's only ever met her one other time. And this whole time, they're not using Tamla's name. They don't act like she's a person. Yeah. Like, it's absurd. They don't act like they have any relationship to her. No, they act like they don't know who she is. Yeah. Why would she be at your slumber party? Yeah. And so then he says, it was her birthday party. Not the woman who we believe to be deceased, but my girlfriend's birthday party. Mm-mm. <laughs> so, first of all, that phrase is so formal and rehearsed. Yeah. Not the woman who we believe to be deceased. Yeah. And also, it's like, they started out the call asking for an ambulance. Yeah. And now suddenly they're already like, she's dead. We believe her to be deceased. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, he says that. And then he says, quote, she was the last one I saw. She was the last one in the kitchen, either waiting around for a ride or waiting till the morning. So, so much to unpack with that. Mm-hmm. He's already admitting that he was the last one to see Tamla. Yeah. Once again, when he supposedly went to bed, Bridget was still there. Yeah. Um, so, like, did he see her after Bridget left? Yeah. I don't know. Also, he's conflicting his statements with John's, who said she was on the balcony. Mm-hmm. He's saying she was in the kitchen. Yeah. And this also hints at the fact that Tamla may have wanted to leave the party. Yeah. Other people who were at the party also mentioned that Tamla kind of seemed like she wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. but they said that no one would let her because she had been drinking too much. Okay, but other people had rides home. Yeah. So they had reportedly taken her keys away from her, which is fine. Yeah. It's a good thing to do if someone's drinking. But get her a ride or get her a bed. They also apparently may have taken her phone away from her at one point. Mm, which is like also like, I I guess I wouldn't want, if I was like out in a bar, I wouldn't, want my friend to have a phone and doing like embarrassing things with it but like but it's like also like like when I got my wisdom teeth out and I was on drugs I made my parents have my phone so I didn't do anything embarrassing with it but it's like first of all these people don't really seem like they care about her all that much yeah and they don't know her they don't know her and it's like she's like married and like like what's she gonna do like text a guy like she's not like yeah So it's not really like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then 
with her wanting to leave, if she was clear on like, I want to go home, Mm -hmm. Bridget's husband just picked her up. Yeah. He could have given her a ride home. Yeah. They could have called Tamla's husband. Mm -hmm. They could have called her an Uber. Yeah. There are plenty of ways. She could have gotten That they could have gotten her home. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, like I said, she didn't seem to be super out of it. Mm-hmm. If she had her phone, she could have called herself an Uber. Yeah. Or called her husband herself. Yeah. Like the fact that she may have wanted to leave and was essentially not allowed to mm-hmm. is very strange. Yeah. That's messed up. So, yeah. Um, the operator then on the phone asks how tall the deck was. Jose replies, maybe 20 feet. 20 feet from where your feet would be on the railing. That's weird. So he's completely implying that she got up on the railing. That she stood on the railing. Yeah. And jumped off, essentially. So they started by saying, with Jean saying, maybe she fell off the balcony. Yeah. And now he's completely flipped it and said, oh, she stood on the railing. Yeah. While completely intoxicated Mm -hmm. and jumped off. Yeah. And landed face down. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. So finally, four minutes into the phone call, the operator asks for her name, for Tamla's name. And Jose says, uh, I know her name. They call her Tam. I'm assuming that's short for Tammy or Tamara, Mm -hmm. which I'm just like, uh, I know her name. Like she stayed at like your house. Like it's not his house, but I'm like, she stayed the night there. Yeah. She's clearly close enough to get that invite. Yeah. With 12 people. Yeah. So finally, I think Jean tells him her name. And so then he says, her name is Tam Horsford. And then he spells her name, her last name. And then he says, she's a black female. I don't think. I don't think that matters. I don't think they asked at for this that. moment to the operator. No. They're trying to save her life. Yeah. Like they didn't ask that. No. That's not really necessary for this exact phone. Yeah, like in this moment. It's necessary for like a missing person. Yeah. Or like. And it, it's important for like medical things. Yeah. Because there are different things about her body probably than a white man. But it's like, that's not really relevant. And also like the paramedics would figure that out. Once they're there. Yeah. Once they're there. Yeah. Like it's but just. If she's. If you believe she's deceased, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Everything. It, just like him being like, I think also like him being like, oh, well, I don't know her name, but I know she's black. <laughs> like, I don't know her name, but let me spell her last name for you. Yeah. I don't know what her full first name is, but. So anyway, at this point, he offers up that there are cameras on the back deck that they can check. And he says the camera probably would have caught the incident <laughs> on it. Not the accident. And he then speculates whether or not Tamala fell from the top deck or from the like bottom patio. Like if she was on the bottom patio, bottom patio and like tripped. Okay. Which once again, not your job no. to figure that out. No. Um, now you just sound like you're trying to make a story yeah. to fit whatever you did. <laughs> and it's like, it, I guess it is semi, like if the paramedics get there, it's semi important to them how like if there's blunt force trauma what happened yeah but it's important to them only if you know yeah like if you're just speculating on Mm -hmm. stuff it's not helpful no like it's anyway so um jose also says on the line that he found a cigarette lighter and an unlit 
unlit cigarette on the back deck, like the top deck. Okay. So insinuating that she was up there to smoke a cigarette. But she didn't. <laughs> yeah, but she didn't smoke it for the seven minutes she was out there. Yeah. And then it's just sitting there. Just fell. Yeah. He then later on in the same call, same call, says that he would have seen her around one in the morning and that she was the only one left in the kitchen. Not true. He's, he went to bed at 1.30 mm-hmm. and Bridget was there till one forty seven. Yeah. All of that is just not true. Um, he later changed his story and said that he saw her at 1.30 and that she specifically told him that she was going to have a smoke and then sleep on the couch. So his story, like, his story changes so many times that I can't even keep track of it. Mm-hmm. It, it makes no sense. Yeah. So this call is about seven minutes. Finally, police arrived and so did paramedics. But Officer Corey Moore sent the paramedics away. Hmm. Um, Why? Don't know. No one attempted to resuscitate Tamla. And she was pronounced dead at the scene two hours later by officers, not by medical professionals. That's ridiculous. Yep. And her body was sent away for an autopsy. And before the report even came back, the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office began to work the theory that this was an accidental fall. No. Yeah. So because they were investigating it as an accident, the crime scene was not preserved at all. Witnesses were not immediately interviewed. Um, All of the partygoers were told to come back to the scene, but they're kind of just left in like a front room of the house. I think they separated the people who were still there from the people that had left. Mm -hmm. But it's like they just left them all together to like make a story, make a story (laughs) and like talk about what's going on. Mm -hmm. And including the two that were there for the 911 call and everything. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Like they're all just left to like hang out. (laughs) Yeah. They're not interviewed. They're not talked to. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So... Despite supposedly landing face down from a 14-foot fall, Tamala's nose was not broken and she suffered no other, like, broken facial bones. That's weird. None whatsoever. Um, Her blood alcohol content was .238, which is almost three times the legal driving limit. But once again, she was not driving. Yeah. (laughs) So she also had traces of marijuana in her system which is explainable obviously Mm -hmm. and also xanax so the amount of xanax found in her system was like minuscule okay like smaller than like what one dose would be Mm -hmm. but mixing alcohol and xanax can result in like sedation and slower motor skills Mm -hmm. but she wasn't visually impaired yeah to party goers so that's weird Mm -hmm. um but Tamala did not have a prescription for it, and she also did not have any on her person. Like, there was none in her bag or anything. So, someone spiked her drinks. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No one at the party admitted to knowing Tamala had taken or been given Xanax, but there was one person at the party who had a prescription for it. That person has not been named, which I feel like is probably, like, a HIPAA thing, because they're not, like, a person of interest. Mm -hmm. Um... But this person denied giving the Xanax to anyone. But there was a text message from November 4th that was uncovered from another person to this woman asking, quote, I hate to ask, but can I please get more meds? It really helped me. (laughs) So they're handing out 
Yeah. There's Anna. She denied giving any to Tamla. Yeah. But it definitely at least given it to one other person. Wow. So that's weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, they all don't want to get in trouble for taking someone else's prescription drugs. Yeah. So Tamla had severe injuries to her head, neck, and torso. She had a broken C2 second vertebrae um, of her neck, which is consistent with extreme blunt force trauma to the chin. Um, she had a fractured right wrist and a laceration to the right ventricle, which is common in extreme blunt force trauma to the chest. Mm-hmm. There was also a laceration on her left forearm, and she had minor abrasions on her fingers, arms, and legs. And then she also had several superficial abrasions to her forehead, above her left eyelid, on the bridge of her nose, her right temple, and then on her chin. So that's just a lot of, like, cuts and bruises and things from one fall. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of different places on your face yeah. to have just been one fall. And in the grass. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like she landed on, like, gravel. Yeah. Just, it's not like she hit other things while going down. Yeah. It, that's the thing, too. It's So she did have, like like, lacerations on her, like, shins, which I think there was, like, a wire, like, a landscaping wire thing, mm-hmm. like, on the lip of the bottom patio. Yeah. That, like, her legs would have hit. So that was easily explainable. Yeah. But she wouldn't have hit anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's just Weird. very strange. And like I said, she was determined to have multiple blunt force injuries all from one fall. Mm-hmm. And also there was no grass or bleeding in her mouth and all of her teeth were intact. Hmm. Which is like if you're the bridge of your nose and your chin. Yeah. Both hit the ground. But your nose is not broken. But your nose is not broken. All of your teeth are intact. Yeah. That's just very weird. Yeah. Anyway. So there was also a lack of autopsy photos. It sounds like like a handful of photos were taken. But it's like you're supposed to take like uh, like several of like each injury pretty much. Um, Yeah. There's also like not very many crime scene photos because they didn't really classify it as a crime scene yeah um i've seen a lot of crime scene photos in like researching and these crime scene photos are terrible Mm -hmm. they're like they all show like the same things like there's several of the decks several of like the grass but some of them are like so out of focus that you can only see like the evidence markers like most of them you can't see like tell what anything is Mm-hmm. Um, there's also no photos showing the lighter and cigarettes that were supposedly found on the deck. There's no photos of the open door to the house. Like, I, there's just several things that I would think you would see a photo of. Yeah. That I couldn't find. And then there's things that they took photos of that I'm like, D- does this go into what you think happened? There's like a photo of like, there's a gas tank on the mm-hmm. deck. And it's like, do you think that she like tripped over that? Like, yeah, none of the photos <laughs> make any sense. So anyway, I'll probably post a few of those too. Yeah, I'm looking. But anyway, in all of my research, I also couldn't find a single document that noted a time of death for Tamla. Which, even if this is an accident. What is this? I don't know. They keep having pictures of it. It looks like like bread yeah it looks gross i don't know what it is and that's my thing about like the crime scene photos 
none of them are like they're all blurry and like yeah unclear the heck is that i don't know either i'll post a picture of whatever the heck that is yeah i don't know (laughs) it looks like chewed up food i know so it's like and they took so many photos of it yeah that it's like am i supposed to understand what this is supposed to be yeah yeah i'm glad you also saw that because it's very strange so the crime scene photos are freaking weird yeah there's not very many no so yeah um yeah so time of death there's no time of death um her fall could have happened at literally any point um rigor mortis can take between one and six hours to set in and that can be prolonged by the cold which it was cold that night so it could have taken between one and like eight hours to even start setting in Mm -hmm. so there is like no telling when she died yeah really um Originally, Tamala's husband was told that investigators thought she had been on the lower deck, tripped and fallen about like a foot to the ground. So this was the investigator's primary theory because they thought her body was in an odd position to have sustained a 15 foot fall. Yeah. They also concluded that from a fall that large, there should have been more pooling of blood around her, like Mm -hmm. from the top deck. Um Like I said, there was like a lip around the edge of the ground floor patio. So they thought she might have tripped over that, which this would kind of explain why her nose wasn't broken, but it doesn't explain like the severe blunt force trauma that she endured. And she still would have stuck her arms out and not landed face first. So like one of the theories goes that she might have suffered like some kind of seizure. Yeah. Which... I don't think I found, like, I couldn't find anything of, like, evidence that she may have had, like, a seizure disorder or anything. Mm -hmm. So it's just, like, it's just people theorizing, which that would explain not putting your hands out. Yeah. But it's, like, how do you have severe blunt force trauma to several parts of your body Yeah, from just tripping? Mm -hmm. Like, that just doesn't make sense. So... It also doesn't explain the unlit cigarette and lighter on the top deck. Yeah, that just screams uh, place, like, staging. Yeah. So, because it's like, if she, like, she wouldn't just leave those out there from a smoke break earlier. Like, you no. put those in your jacket pocket or yeah, your yeah, purse or something. you're not going to waste that. Yeah. We paid money for it. So, later, investigators changed the story and said they believed Tamla had fallen from the upper deck which was a f- like 15, 14 foot fall. I question how a woman who is 5'6 could have tripped and fallen over a four foot railing. Mm-mm. That <laughs> that makes no. no sense. No. Just like weight distribution and stuff. I mean, it's yeah. like stuff we talked about in the Rebecca Zahawa case. Like yeah. you just don't. That doesn't happen. No, that doesn't happen. So immediately, Tamla's family and friends were super suspicious, obviously. Um, one thing that they noted was that Tamla had brought her jacket to the party and her family said she would never have gone outside at 1 a.m. in November without it. Yeah. Yeah. She hated the cold. She would not go out for a smoke break in 30 degree weather Mm-mm. without a jacket on. Um, so Detective Mike Christian started interviewing the Forsyth 12 on November 9th, which was five days after Tamla was found. He interviewed Jean, Jose, and Madeline all on the 9th 
at their own home. So at the home where it happened. Yeah. And at their home, instead of making them go to the police station. Mm -hmm. He also, like, when he did these, like, didn't do it in a closed off room. Yeah. They could just walk into each other's interviews at any point. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So I tried to find transcripts of these interviews and I know that they at one point did exist, but I'm pretty sure like there used to be a website that was, I think it was justice for Tamla.org mm-hmm. or something. And for some reason the website doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. Not really sure why a little frustrating. Yeah. Um, but um, I listened to the morbid episode on this and thankfully they went pretty in depth on a lot of the interviews. Mm-hmm. So um, highly recommend as always, but I'm getting all of my information on those interviews from that. So this is the most ridiculous thing. During Madeline's interview, Jean shows up and is like, hey, I've got something for you and gives the investigators Dunkin' Donuts gift cards. Mm-mm. And she even says, like, I was told, like, I shouldn't do this because it might look bad before the case is closed. Yeah, it does look bad. Yeah, it looks like bribery. Yeah. So detectives Mike Christian and Tyler Sexton denied the gift, obviously. Good. One Um, thing that's been done right. (laughs) But like, which also, I think they like, they probably didn't take them or they might have later on in the day, like given them back and been like, we can't accept these. Like, because it sounds like they like told her during her own interview, like, we can't accept that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, did they take them? And then their supervisor was like, guys yeah like it's just like it's very weird yeah but yeah so they're like yeah we can't take these and she's like okay my kids will take them Mm. it's like what rational reason would you give investigators gift cards so that on its own i would never yeah that on its own is bad enough but this is where it gets really infuriating so in december of 2020 Jean posted a picture on her Facebook page of herself with Stacy Smith and Nicole Lawson, who was also a person who attended the party. All three of them were wearing Dunkin' Donuts masks, and the caption said, The best masks ever. Hashtag, if you know, you know. Like, I almost said I'm glad they're wearing masks, but... The, but uh, fair. Yeah. But I'm like... But no, even if it's like an inside joke yeah. of some other reason that you love Dunkin Donuts. <laughs> Why do you love Dunkin Donuts first of all, that gross. much? <laughs> anyway, of all the places. <laughs> but I'm like, also, why did they just did they just have those gift cards lying around or did they go buy them? I, I think she went and bought them because she was like, oh, OK, my kids will take them instead. Yeah. Like she bought them for the investigators. Yeah. And I'm just like, weird, even if that caption and that post was about something else. Yeah. You know how that looks. Yeah. Who in their right mind? No. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Oh, my. It just, That's bad. It makes my blood boil. That's bad. So, also, during Madeline's interview, Jean asks, do you need me, or can I go upstairs and get ready for this funeral? For Tamala's funeral. She says... This funeral, referring to the funeral of her friend who, like, tragically died at her home. Yeah. Like, I have to get ready for this funeral. That's ridiculous. So, anyway, 
Throughout her own interview, Jean refers to Detective Christian by his first name all the time. She calls him Mike. She like straight up feels like she's like flirting with him. She's like really overly friendly, really informal. Mm -hmm. Like just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They're like, they're straight up acting like best friends, honestly. And it's just like, that's not, (laughs) you're investigating a death. Yeah. (laughs) Like, how are you? Um, At one point during her own interview, Jean completely contradicts Madeline's statement. So she says that Madeline always went outside in the morning to check the weather. So she claims that Madeline went outside, saw Tamla, went back inside, washed her face, and prayed. She then went back outside because she like maybe thought she was going crazy, Mm -hmm. saw Tamla again, and then did the whole go upstairs, knock on the door twice, here's the running water, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. So in this point, she's saying that Madeline went outside to see Tamla's body twice before going upstairs, before calling the police, before all of that. That's just not... It's just like, what? Yeah. And um, you could have checked to see if she's breathing. Yeah. And it's also like, she's telling Madeline's story. Mm-hmm. It's like, you weren't there for that. Yeah. Jean also says that while, so she's talking about the 911 call. She first says that Jose called, which is not true because she made she, the call. Yeah. She also says that while Jose was on the phone, that he told them that rigor mortis had set in and that Tamala was already gone. That is blatantly not true. Not true. Yeah. Um, she also says in this interview, she definitively says that both of Tamala's arms were down by her sides. She even mentions that, like, she thought Tamla was in a weird position when she saw her. Um, but that brings us back to the question of who moved her arm. Yeah. Because her left arm was definitely up. It was yeah. not by her side. It looked as if it's, like, had caught her fall. Mm-hmm. So who moved her arm? And also, if Tamla was already supposedly in rigor mortis, yeah. according to Jose, how? Did yeah. they move her arm? Yeah. Like, it's not easy. She's stiff, you know? Yeah, like, it's not easy to break rigor mortis. Yeah. Hmm. So, that's just, it's very strange. Yeah. Um, During this interview, Jean also kind of tries to spread the rumor that Tamala did cocaine. Oh, my gosh. And she kind How of How many it, drugs can they say that this And this is, like, is on. they have already done the autopsy yeah, report. Yeah, it's, like, not true. They blatantly know that this is not true. Yeah. But at she's, like, telling it, like, oh, at the party, so-and-so told so-and-so that they think that Tamla does cocaine. And first, if she just does it in general, who's, why would that be relevant to this specific thing? Yeah. Like, I, like, yeah. First of all, not relevant. Yeah. Not true. Yeah. But then, so, first of all, Jean says, and that made my head think, which is stupid. <laughs> it makes I don't her sound think, like an idiot. Yeah, I don't think you're thinking at all. But she was like, oh, well, that explains how Tamla always had so much energy, even though she was drinking. She's doing cocaine. <laughs> and it's like, it just adds to how much they're trying to like. Make her seem like a crazy person. Yeah, like they're trying to defame this mother's character. Yeah. And like make yeah. her seem crazy and out there and like basically try and blame her death on her yeah no and it's just it's not okay she doesn't look like a crazy person at all 
No, it's like she is the mother to five kids. Yeah. Like who came for a slumber party. She's basically like a PTA mom. Yeah. Who came for a slumber party. Yeah. Who made casserole the night before. Yeah. No. Like it's just, it's absurd. So moving from one asshole to another during Jose's interview, Jose denied knowing who moved Tamla's arm. Um, Honestly, to me, like, I, someone moved her arm to try and make it look, like, more like a fall. Yeah. Honestly. But um, he's like, yeah, I don't know who moved her arm. Like, it was definitely by her side. But Then one of you moved it. Yeah. So, Jose also says that he kind of, like, changes his story again. This time he says that when he went to see Tamla, he, like, went out onto the deck, saw the cigarette and the lighter, like, in his path, and he moved them, like, out of the way. And he tells police, he's like, yeah, I'm like kind of OCD like that. So I had to clean him up, which first of all, it's not what OCD is. Yeah. And it's like, you were just told that someone like is in need of your help mm-hmm. and is hurt. Yeah. And you're pausing to like pick up a lighter because yeah. it was like on the ground and that was mm-hmm. really bothering you. No. So after like pausing to like clean up the area, he then sees Tamla's body. So. That's his new story of that's when he saw the lighter and stuff that he told police about. Whatever. So initially, this case did not get any media coverage. Big which, surprise. Yeah, not surprised. But finally, in December, um, Tamla's best friend, Michelle Graves, was really like just going in on trying to spread the word of how terribly this case was being handled. Thank goodness. Fantastic. You go, Michelle. Um, at one point, Jean literally tried to get a protective order against Michelle, and this was dismissed. And Good. she also sent Michelle a cease and desist. <laughs> like, people wanted Michelle to stop talking. Yeah. And it's like, no. She's trying to get, like, justice for her friend. Yeah. And a it's like, mother. And it's like, five. if you didn't do anything wrong, you have no reason to be upset. Yeah, she should be your friend that you should. Like, she was your friend that yeah. you invited over. Like, if it was a terrible accident, you have no reason to be upset. Yeah. Like, upset that she's trying to get justice. There yeah. is no reason for you to be mad. Yeah. So, Sheriff Ron Freeman was the sheriff at the time of Tamla's death in Forsyth County. And he himself has faced numerous allegations of racism throughout his career. So, not shocking. No. Um... Tamla's case was closed by the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office on February 20th, 2019. They determined that Tamla's death was due to an accidental fall. But that just does not seem true. No. In June of 2020, the Black Lives Matter movement sparked a lot of conversation about this case. Good. Mm -hmm. Over 600,000 people signed a change.org petition. And finally, Sheriff Freeman was forced to reopen the case, essentially. Good. Like, people trying to make it be like, oh, like, he chose to. No. No. He was forced to. Yeah. When the whole country is looking at your racist town. Yeah. Like, you have to do something. Yeah. So, he finally asked the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to reopen the case. And once again, I wanted to note that the only reason this case was reopened was because of pressure from the media. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw it in Gabby Petito's case yeah. and in this case, and 
doing that, like putting the pressure on like that can make things happen. So let's keep doing it and keep doing it for people of color. So unfortunately, in May of 2021, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation concluded their inquiry and sided with Forsyth County investigators. So they did conclude or they concluded that Tamala's death was caused by an accidental fall. However, their investigation also showed how horribly the case was handled. So now we've got a few evident evidences. <laughs> Goodness, what country there? Evidences of some of the mishandling. Mm-hmm. In December of 2018, less than two months after Tamla's death, Jose Barrera was filed from his role as a pretrial services officer. He had used his position within the justice system to access confidential files surrounding the investigation into Tamla's death. No. And some of these files he had accessed on November 7th. No. Days after her death. Yeah. It's just like, nope. and like so many sources were like, like he was just curious. And it's like, first of all, no, he wasn't. No. Not trying to get sued, but no, he wasn't. Yeah. But, also, even if he was, that's not allowed. Yeah. He was a key witness into this death. Yeah. And then he's using his like position to access confidential files. Mm-hmm. So he was rightfully fired. Good. Um, Jose also admitted on a call with Lieutenant Andy Kalin on November 7th to moving Tamala's arm to check for a pulse. You don't have to move someone's arm to check for a pulse. Yeah. First of all. Um, later in his conversations with the GBI, Jose vehemently denied this and said that there was no way he checked for a pulse. Which I'm like, that in uh, itself is sketchy because that's one of the first things you should do. Yeah. And that they asked you both. They asked you all three of people in the home to try and do that. Yeah. Over the phone on the 911 call. Like, and you no check one for was breathing, doing you it. You check for a pulse. Yeah. But... Jose had worked with Lieutenant Kalen before Tamla's death. Like they knew each other Mm -hmm. like through other people and they had each other's phone numbers. And like, that's a conflict of interest. If you're investigating and communicating like Mm -hmm. with this person. Yeah. And then this is the person that he kind of knows and admitted like, Oh yeah, I moved her arm. Yeah. And then later on he was like, no, there's no way I moved her arm. I don't know who did that. (laughs) And also it's like, if you're innocent and you did move her arm to Say check for it. a pulse. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're innocent, what's admit that from the beginning, like, then you, apparently you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. It's just like it. <laughs> yeah. So much of this. It's like, why are you being so shady? Yeah. If you're so innocent, why are you being so shady? Yeah. So detective Mike Christian also resigned in October of 2020 because it was found that he sent crime scene photos and sensitive case information to his girlfriends. Oh my gosh. Plural? Plural. I think it's separate times, but yeah. <laughs> um, but still, he did that multiple times. Crime scene photos. Mm-mm. They're not fun to look like at. Like ones that included her body. Yeah. And in these conversations, he also exclusively referred to Tamla as porch lady. No. Why is no one saying her name? Literally, say her name. Tamla Horsford. Yeah. She is a human being. Yeah. So, um, he also sent 
some really distasteful Snapchat messages to these women in which he sarcastically talked about how he would tell Tamala's husband about her death. He said, quote, Oh, yes, I am happy to report that she was really, really drunk, trip landed face down in the backyard. No. It makes me want to throw up. Yeah. That makes me so angry. I'm just Snapchat. Snapchat. You're a grown man. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> that's just part of that. So many things about it. Yeah. Um, some sources claim that Lieutenant Kalen helped the partygoers come up with their own stories. Um, and Detective Christian was reportedly worried that he'd go down for it and that this might have like been part of why he resigned as well. Um, there are also so many other inconsistencies with the Forsyth 12 statements. Um, they like some of them said that they stuck around and helped clean the home like Not before true. they left, before Tamla's body was found. None mm-hmm. of you noticed the door open. None of you yeah. noticed her body in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, they also all said that Tamla was the only smoker, but reportedly two lighters and two brands of cigarettes were found on the porch. Yeah, she wouldn't. None of these were tested. Yeah. Not a single one was tested. A second autopsy was done at the request of Tamla's family. This autopsy concluded that some of her injuries were inflicted post-mortem, which would indicate that Tamla was killed before being thrown off the deck. Hmm. So... This would also explain why there was no blood pooling around her body. Mm-hmm. So there's also various theories about what happened to Tamla. I'm not going to get into all of the details of these theories, um, honestly, because I'm not trying to get sued. Yeah. But some people theorize that Tamla was invited to the party with the purpose of harm being done to her. And then other people theorize that one of the men at the party made advances toward her and then attacked her when she turned them down. Hmm. Those are like the two main theories. Either way, I think that this... It wasn't an accident. Yeah, it was not an accident. At the very least, if it was an accident, it was an accident that was grossly mishandled because of racial bias. Yeah. And that in itself is not okay. Yeah. (laughs) But... At its worst, I think that it was not an accident. Mm -hmm. So um, Tamla's family is still fighting for justice. Like I said, the case has been closed by the GBI, um, but a lot of people are now asking the FBI to handle the case instead. Um, It has been just over three years since the death of Tamla Horsford, and she still deserves justice. Yes. Um, And if nothing else... There's still clearly a lot of shady stuff going on in Forsyth County and more people grossly mishandled this case and more people need to be held accountable. Yeah. So. Ugh. Yeah. I don't ever want to go there. No. I know people from there. I only know the girl from The Bachelor. But I know people from there who are good people. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. Not fun. Not good. <sighs> but. Tamala deserves justice. She yes. deserves her name to be said. Yeah. Because these people do not treat her like a human being. And that's not absurd. So. They act like they don't know anything about her. Literally, like, hearing the 911 call, hearing, like, uh, just, like, some of the things I said about her that I'm just, like, these people are horrible. Yeah. Like, not even, like, accusing, especially Jean and Jose, mm-hmm. not accusing you of anything, but if nothing else, you're both assholes. Yeah. <laughs> So should have handled that call a lot better. Yeah. So that is the really terrible case of Tamala Horsford. Yeah. Jeez. 
I can try and find a palate cleanser. <laughs> okay. Ugh. Um, okay. My palate cleanser is a Katie quote, as always. Oh. And this is in reference to if Katie was ever on The Bachelor. Oh. <laughs> and she said, quote, I would start a rumor that someone is illiterate <laughs> 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 to start drama. <laughs> How funny would that be? <laughs> Leah Michelle. That's my one of my favorite conspiracy theories that Leah Michelle is illiterate. Agreed. <laughs> it's so funny. That whole video. Rest in peace to that whole video that got taken that 40 down. 40-minute <laughs> video that we've watched multiple times. It was so funny. <laughs> so that was the palate cleanser. If I said Rachel from the batch from Mad James's season. She's illiterate. She's illiterate. <laughs> Um, yeah. Man. So, people probably would have believed that. In the middle of that, like, <laughs> scandal, people would have believed that. More people would have gotten behind it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, anyway. <laughs> so funny. Um, uh, you guys should follow us. On Instagram at Something Sick Podcast, or on Twitter at Asick Podcast, or on TikTok at Something Sick Podcast, or send us an email at somethingsickpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next time, homies. Keep it spooky. Peace out. Peace out.